of verse of Psalm 42. Verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Verse three, my tears, some of y'all can relate to this. My tears have been my food day and night. You've been crying yourself to sleep at night? So did King David. So did Jesus. And when Jesus cried all night in the garden, he quoted Psalm 42 because he felt it. But you know what 42.5 and 42.11 and 43.5 say? Look at the very next part of the verse that I didn't read. After they cried out to God with question, they preached to themselves, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 11, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 43.5, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Folks, it is possible to be a Christian who has your hope fully set in God, in the work of Christ, dying on the cross for our sins, buried in the grave, risen again for victory with the promise and assurance of eternal life in heaven, and yet have your soul beat down, have your heart burdened to be sorrowful, stressful, troubled. It is possible our Lord Jesus dealt with it. King David dealt with it and it is real but you know what you do when you're in that situation you don't run and pout you don't give up you don't quit you know what you do you seek the Lord you pray Leonard Ravenhill says prayer is the acid test of devotion what you really are focused on will be seen in your prayers your sorrows and your troubles will show you what you're turning to. Do we turn to other things? Do we run from him or do we run to him? Jesus was troubled. Well, in Jesus' troubling and his commitment to prayer, he makes this statement on why they are praying and this is so heavy. Why are they praying? He says it in verse 38. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In the Luke passage, it said it twice. In the Matthew passage, I think it says it twice. Here, I think it just says it one time, that you may not enter into temptation. What temptation is he talking about? The temptation we talk about these days is too much TV, lusting at women, and spending too much money. That's the extent of temptation that we talk about these days. I'm tempted walking through the mall. They got Victoria's Secret in there. We hear people say that. I'm tempted to spend too much money. I shouldn't be spending that, right? I'm tempted to be too lazy and I just watch too many shows or too many ball games. That's how we're often talking about temptation these days. I don't think Jesus had in mind those things here. For at the heart of those temptations is a bigger trouble. What temptation is he talking about? The temptation to just sell out and get away from God's plan and go back to your plan. The temptation to just say, I'm gonna do my own thing. Jesus is crying out in the garden and sorrowful. Why is he troubled? That's the question. We know why we're troubled in life. Why is he troubled? Because Jesus is fully aware of the sinfulness of the world and the lostness of mankind and our need for God and that we don't have God and our sins are burdening him. Our need for God are burdening him. 
and he must stick to the course. He must stay the plan. He must make it to the death of the cross for us. He must. And the temptation that he's saying pray for, for his own self, and he's telling them to pray for, is to jump ship. And the world is full of people, church people, Christian people, who have jumped ship. Life is too hard. The truth, the truth of the word is too challenging. There's too much courage needed. I'm too worried about other people. And we give up. We fall in. We, we jump ship. And we fall into the temptation of not trusting fully in Christ. Yes, there are other temptations like lust and greed and all of those things. But those things are just small little glimpses and worries compared to giving up on Jesus. Compared to not running to him for the forgiveness of sins. The troubles that he is feeling is that people don't know God. The trouble that he is feeling is that people prefer their sins to loving God. The people that he is, the trouble that he is feeling is that hell awaits all who are not forgiven of their sins in Christ. And the only way to escape the judgment of God is through the finished work of Christ. And he has to get there. He feels it. One commentator says, we can imagine no higher degree of perfection than that which is here set before us. To take patiently whatever God sends, to like nothing but what God likes, to wish nothing but what God approves, to prefer pain if it is please God to send it, to ease if God does not think to fit to bestow it, to lie passive under God's hand and know no will but his, this is the highest standard at which we can aim. And of this, our Lord's conduct in Gethsemane is a perfect pattern. So he cries out, not my will, but yours. What a heart for God. Are you troubled? Can you pray that? Yes, we pray, oh God, heal them. Yes, we pray, oh God, fix their relationship. Yes, we pray, oh God, help me to be a better dad. But will you pray, Father, your will be done, not mine. I don't know what's best for me. Church, have you come to believe that about your good, good father in heaven? You don't know what's best for you. J.C. Ryle says, nothing brings us so much misery on earth as having our own way. Jesus knows that. He felt the burden, but he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours. He was honest. If there's any other way, let's do it a different way. But there wasn't. And he was submitted. He was. He was submitted to it. Jesus was troubled. And so he prayed. Church, as we're troubled, may we pray. But may our prayer not be a simple or shallow, God fix it. May it be a heartfelt, I trust you. May it be your will be done. May it be thy kingdom come. May it be not my will, but yours. May it be a faithful, may it be a surrender. May it be a trust. May our troubles drive us to God. And may we be content being close to God.
Number two, Jesus was troubled, and so he was courageous. He was troubled and he prayed. He was troubled and he was courageous. We see his courage in being willing to submit to somebody else's plan. It tends to be, listen to me, in the world today that, that machoism or, or bigness is, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna make sure I can do it. I'm gonna pull up my bootstraps. Or I'm gonna tighten my belt. Or I'm gonna put on my work clothes and I'm gonna find a way to get it done. And that does sound tough and that does sound strong and that does. But so often, listen to me, so often that's a cover up for me. I'm gonna distance myself from those responsibilities. I'm gonna distance myself from those responsibilities. And I'm gonna distance myself. I'm gonna distance myself from those people that are gonna hold me accountable. And I'm gonna distance myself from those people who are gonna love on me and push me in the right direction. And what it really is, it's an isolating yourself. And you are maybe all by yourself about to try to, try to take matters into your own hand and you're gonna get your own place, you're gonna try to pay your own bills and you're not gonna worry about anybody else and all that and you're gonna try to do it. And it sounds all good and macho to yourself because you're not listening to anybody that will add some balance or reason to it. But what's really happening with that is you're wimping out more than you're being courageous. You know what courageous says? I got responsibilities over here. I got responsibilities over here, and I got a world I got to do over here, and I got stuff I need to do over here, and I got people that I'm counting on that are counting on me over here, and I got all this stuff too. And you know what? It ain't about me. It ain't my will. It's what God's called me to do. If God's called you to be a man to a tough wife, be a man to a tough wife. If God's called you to parent some kids that seem impossible, then parent kids that seem impossible. If God's called you to no longer have any more me time or man caves or days to yourself or this or that, if God's called you to that, then just welcome to the party of people that are already living that life and understand God causes that to happen, but it's a life of responsibility and it's a life that takes courage. It is so easy to say, I never get any time for me. I need to finally look out for myself for once and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do it. Well, you keep calling yourself strong and responsible and doing that, but realize you've just distanced yourself for everything that's hard and challenging and courageous in your life. And you know what? I believe that one day I'm going to get to heaven and you know why? Because when it was hard as can be in the garden, bleeding blood, sweating blood, and everybody else was sleeping on him and my sins were burdening him down, Jesus said, Father, is there any other way? And you know what he said? This is the only way, let's go. And if Jesus does not have the courage to do what God led him to do, every one of us are still in our sins. Sometimes life is hard and the only solution is to let's go. The only solution is, let's face it head on. Sometimes life says stay up all night working on something you don't want to work on and that's what you've got to do. Sometimes life means you don't have money to eat and so you're going to skip a meal so that you can have money still. Sometimes life says this hurts, this hurts, this hurts and that's what is required. Jesus is beat down in the garden, sorrowful to death. And his prayer was, God, if this is what you want, let's do it. His word in verse 40, 
one, the hour's come. It's time. Let's do it. He'd been saying his whole life, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. The hour's not come. But you know what time it is right now for him? It's time to do it. It took courage. In Philippians chapter two, ironically, it's the passage that we'll be preaching on tonight. In verses five through 11, you have what is called the Christ hymn. It's a hymn that the apostle Paul had written or at least was quoting in the book of Philippians. And in that passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Paul recalls the unreal otherworldly devotion and commitment that Christ has. And he says that Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Y'all, it's hard to be obedient. It takes courage to be obedient. You remember when Joseph was in Potiphar's house and he had all the love in the world of Potiphar over him and that woman comes at him, lusting at him. She'd been begging him. I don't know too many men that would run from a woman with wealth and status and looks and money coming on to him, sleep with me, all of that. And she comes to him and, and, and Joseph in that setting ran said, I would never sin against my God in that way. Now, that takes courage. That takes such courage. Jesus was troubled, and so he was courageous. But in his courage, he makes this statement that you need to know. It is verse 38. Look what he says. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. But then he says this, you, you may have heard before and you need to. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This challenge exists inside the life of the believer. A willing spirit, but a weak flesh. A willing spirit, but a weak flesh. J.C. Ryle says that this quote should be the Christian's daily motto from the time of the conversion until the day of their death. I want to, God, but it's hard to. I want to, God, but it's difficult. I want to, God, but I'm weak. You ought to know that you're weak. And the challenge to be courageous and the challenge uh, to, to stay prayerful in the midst of all of life's troubles is difficult. And he says, Jesus prays this way. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was troubled and so he went to pray. Jesus was troubled and so he was courageous. Folks, if life is this hard and this challenging, you and I need courage. I realize that all the men at your work aren't living for Jesus. I, re I realize that at your home, it's hard to follow Christ. It's hard in all of our homes to follow Christ. I realize that being the, the light and salt of the world is so difficult when the world seems to be so dark, but before you knew that that's what you were supposed to be, Jesus already told you that's what it's gonna be. It takes courage. 
And so we have passage after passage where it says, don't be ashamed, don't shrink back, don't deny, uh, don't, don't, don't deny the gospel. Instead, deny yourself. Seek that courage. Be empowered by that courage. Christ will empower you. That's why we have these terms of power and power and power in the Bible because the Spirit gives power. It takes courage. I know that life is hard. I'm here to comfort you with that. And God will give you courage. May we be courageous to live for Jesus. But lastly, he was troubled and he prayed. He was troubled and he was courageous. But lastly, his prayerful devotion, his courageous obedience led Jesus when he was troubled to die for us. Look at the very last verse. He's gonna talk to them in verses 41 and 42. It's Peter, James, and John. They've fallen asleep on him now two or three times. In verse 40, it says, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy. Hey, part of us says, what do you expect? I don't blame them, right? It's the middle of the night. He says, what's going on? Y'all couldn't stay awake for one hour? Look what it says. Look what Mark adds. He's just adding a little humor here to all of us who've ever said something to our kids before. They did not know what to answer him. Can you imagine Jesus praying all night? I don't know if you've ever tried to pray with somebody all night. And one of you gets sleepy. And you say, man, you can't stay up to pray? No answer, no reply. I don't have a comment. And that's what Peter, James, and John did. Our three leaders of the disciples, they don't have anything to say. But after the third time of that interaction, Jesus says, it is enough. The hour has come. Look at this. Now, I know we're used to it because we've read it so much, but take in what this is. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Going where? to do what has to be done, to take the cup of wrath that he had just prayed if there's any other way, to meet the cross, to meet the death, to take the nails, to take our sins. He was troubled and he prayed. He was troubled and he was courageous. He was troubled for you and me and he died. The application of the first point is that we need to pray as well. The application of the second point is we need to be courageous as well. But the application of this point is that you need a savior. You need a savior. From this point on, listen to me, Jesus no longer pushes back on who he is or who he's not. He no longer defends himself. He no longer teaches on himself. Now they're gonna say, are you the king? He'll say, that's what you said. At this point on, Jesus has submitted himself now completely to the plan of God to die for the sins of the world. In Romans chapter six, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Death is a consequence to sin. Death is a punishment or a curse for sin. We learn that in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter three, we see it throughout. If anybody has sinned, they are going to die. Jesus never sinned. The reason why Jesus died 
is because of your sins. And what God did to him on the cross was put our sins on him, and he died. When Jesus here in verse 42 says, rise, let us be going, he is showing determination to save us. He is heading to the cross. Folks, you need a savior. You need a savior. You need a God that can hear your prayers when you're troubled. You need a God that can give you strength for courage when you're troubled. But you need much more than that. You need an answer outside of yourself to overcome your troubles. Jesus is the savior of the world. There is no other way for you to get right with God. There is no other way for your sin burden to be dealt with. You need a savior. You get the savior by trusting in him and repenting of your sins. And may you do that today. Father in heaven, thank you for Mark chapter 14. Thank you, God, for Jesus' determination, his focus, his faithfulness, even to the point of sweating blood. Thank you, God, for his devotion to prayer, his courage, and thank you that he died. Lord, I pray that you would move in us and we would respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.